You're listening to the PBE Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on Spotify, Pocket Casts, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You don't want to miss any great audio content from the pro baseball experience. Now let's get on with today's show. Well, hello and welcome everyone to another edition of Between Two White Lines, uh, PBE podcast. I'm Danny B, head office member, sim team member, and co-general manager of the Brew City Bears. I'm here with my good friend, Trams Von Hinkelbree, Stevie Steve. I catch good. He he make ball go strike yes that's that's what i got going for me is i, I catch good I don't, I don't have a lot of other shit just just as i catch good you you also throw runners out pretty good you've got a, a pretty good arm do i yeah i'm happy for that yeah i'm especially happy for that <laughs> uh to remember I think I just got like an award or something for catching good. Yeah, I think you might have gotten the gold glove at catch. That's what I was trying to find. Uh, we made a post about it somewhere, but I can't find it. Uh, I got tagged. I can link it to you. Because my email is the only way I know about anything that's going on. <laughs> Love it. Oh, here it is. Uh, yep, yep, you won the Gold Glove at Catcher, and it was not close. I mean, you, you ran away with Gold Glove at Catcher. Now, is that by team, or is... Um, it's for the whole minor league. So you, you were voted the oh. best... Def- gold, gold Glove is defense. You were voted the best defensive catcher in the minor leagues. Um, some, some quick maths here. 8, 13, 14, uh, 27. So... The, the way the votes tallied out is you got 49 votes for first place gold glove. The rest of the league got 27. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, you, you ran away with gold glove in the catcher's position. And, and that comes from a combination of catcher ERA, uh, which is gained from framing pitches and stealing strikes for your starters and, you know, throwing runners out as well as not making too many errors. Yeah, I think I had a much better season. Last season, uh, error-wise, compared to my yeah. time at third base. Bears had a good season. I mean, you know, we got a little bit of disappointment there at the end, but still we did make it to the playoffs this year. Yeah, first ever uh, playoff appearance. You you were a part of the first ever playoff team. Uh, I think we're in good shape to make a return this season it's going to be tighter this season than last season but i still think we have a good shot at making it did we uh pick anybody up anyone noteworthy i guess we did i mean we picked up a number of draftees and then a couple more on the waiver wire um we focused pretty heavily on position players this time around so our really our lineup is made up of a lot of of new guys so we have a lot of new faces in the in the PBE, or are these just new characters? Yeah, I mean, we have new faces from the minor league draft uh, for the season. That was last week. 
forget if we have like a welcome channel somewhere where I can pull up everyone's names. We picked up. I think pull up the roster is probably the easiest way to get their usernames. We picked up uh, most recently Frederick Emerald, who is uh, Cold Rosseth. I've never actually tried to say his name, but he's a recreate. Uh, Cole's an awesome dude. We're really excited to have him in. He's going to be a relief pitcher for us in our Super Bullpen this season. We grabbed Marcus Emerson, who's a right fielder. Um, and I think we are going to have him playing in right field. So he should be a good power bat. We picked up Connor McNasty, Ginger Face. He's going to be taking over in center. A decent bat and should be a good glove out there in center field. John Doe Jr., Rockies fan forever. He's another center fielder. Um, but his defense is a little worse than McNasty's, so I think we're going to put him in left field. And then we also picked up uh, Tornado, or Vincent Aldridge. He's a first baseman um, who I think is going to be designated hitting for us. He's a little bit shorter than underrated uh, in height is like the number one stat for first baseman mm. so we'll probably keep underrated at first and have uh aldridge just come in to take at bats or maybe we might put him at third too is the other place where we're looking at him now that i think about it his tertiary position is third base uh and our third baseman did get called up ah the dreaded call up Our fault were very hard to avoid that one. <laughs> we appreciate your efforts. <laughs> <clears throat> so this will be my third season with the Bears, right? It will, yep. And I only get five, right? You only get five. Mm. So we got, I mean, your, your halfway point, I guess, will be the all-star break for your minor league career. Well... Hopefully I get to 350 this season. I think that's how the math works out. I'm at 387 right now. TPE. You're at 387. You're already at the Two, cap. 287. Two. 287. Yeah. Yeah, you should be able to hit 350 this season. Should be able to. Yeah, pretty close. Alright. Well, how did we uh, make any changes up to our pitching staff at all not much we did um lose a pitcher to cops we weren't expecting we actually had a 180 tpe starter get called up um which is pretty unusual uh for somebody that low tpe to get the nod in the big leagues right so we're pretty much going to be going with hank stew to right uh, who we picked up last season, and a three-man rotation besides him of inactive bot pitchers. So that's that's definitely the Bears' weak point this season is our starting pitching. We're looking to combat this by kind of giving them really short hooks so they don't stay out too long, and then making up for it with our, our bullpen, which we think will be pretty good this season. Okay. That that kind of leads me to another question. I I realize in the PBE or maybe just in the sim league that 
catchers don't change with pitchers in a real game does the catcher ever change uh when a bullpen pitcher comes out or because i know there can be you know like you get a chemistry between the pitcher and the catcher but usually you'll have starting pitchers will have catchers that they like um most teams have two catchers on them uh simply because catcher i mean you're crouched the whole game um i don't think there's ever been a catcher in the modern era who played all 162 games in a season it's just it's not good for your knees it's it's too much um so usually there's like a main catcher and an off catcher or you platoon them uh but but you wouldn't switch when the bullpen came out you would you would stay out there pretty much for the whole game for the most part uh but but not every game you know you'd, you'd play maybe two games and then the third game someone else would play but the way the PBE is structured with the number of off days we have, um, it's not necessary to platoon catchers. Okay. Yeah, I just wasn't sure if uh, that was a thing. Like, they were just a pair or something that... Yeah, it's called a battery, usually. Um, a pitcher and a catcher is called a battery. And uh, I forget who was whose battery mate. I know in... 2019 when the Nats played in the uh, I guess it must have been the NLDS against the Dodgers I think it was Patrick Corbin came out of the bullpen he's a starting pitcher um, and it was the first time all season that I think Kurt Suzuki had caught him because he had been partnered with Jan Gomes and every start Patrick Corbin made Jan Gomes had been the catcher um, but he came out of the bullpen because our bullpen was terrible and so that that was the first time that Kurt caught him that whole season <laughs> was in the postseason. So so it, it is a thing. It's just not with relievers. It's it's only with starting pitchers. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I guess that that kind of answers my next question about that. Is do you get starter pitchers from the bullpen? I mean, do they have to do bullpen days or are bullpen pitchers just bullpens? Is that different in the PBE or? Yeah, in the PBE, we have it set so that starters can't make relief appearances. Okay. Um, but, like, in the in our playoff series, we went to a two-man rotation. Um, we only used two starters. And we put our other two, because you have to have, in the regular season, you have to have a four-man rotation. We did put the other two in the bullpen um, to help shore up some of our, our weaker bullpen arms. Okay. That's... Uh enlightening um sorry waking up here uh <laughs> here's well let's let's move more into uh my random ass baseball questions and for a little bit okay i have that i have an extensive list that i have written up of baseball questions that i don't understand sure and I'm just going to go on the list here. I believe I've linked you the list. Um, my first is, should umpires lose the ability to throw people out of the game? I've been seeing a lot, um, you know, watching John Boy or other stuff about uh, umpires kind of just throwing people out seems almost at random. Uh, or, you know, they do something that they think they don't like. Uh, 
do you think think that's something that should be changed or I just think, like, there's a lot of talk about doing a lot of different things to kind of decrease what umpires can do, especially, like, the automated strike zone. The biggest issue is the lack of accountability for umpires. Um, and the MLB's hands kind of got tied. There's an umpire, Angel Hernandez, who's widely accepted to be the worst umpire in the MLB. And... Um, he's a long tenured umpire he's been around forever so he wanted to ump in the postseason one year and the MLB essentially told him you're not good enough you don't call balls and strikes well enough your fuse is too short we don't want you umping in the postseason so he turned around and sued the MLB for discrimination because he was Hispanic uh, and and he won that case <laughs> so the MLB kind of feels like it has not a lot of recourse against umpires because the, the thing about baseball and professional sports is everyone has a union. The players have a union, the umpires have a union, and they have really good lawyers. Um, so their hands are kind of tied. I think umpires just need to be held accountable more. I think when they throw someone out, it should go to a panel who reviews it and, and looks at what happened. Um, I, I also think umps should wear mics. I mean, you're a hockey guy. So you know when when a hockey play is challenged, uh, the the linesmen get their heads together, they come up with a decision, and the the head linesman comes out to the center ice, turns on his mic, and says what happened. Yeah. That doesn't happen in baseball. There's no communication. Um, so I think umps should be mic'd. I think the mics should be monitored, and I think if an ump throws somebody out, he should sit in front of a panel who listens to the the footage, and says you know okay yeah he, he crossed the line good on you for throwing him out or he said the ball was low and then walked away and you threw him out and by the way in the footage the ball was low um that's not okay right yeah well speaking of angel hernandez and another umpire who i just don't know their name of uh to quote something john boy says i wish i never had to know an umpire's name uh <laughs> If yeah, they're just doing I, their job sure. right, but uh, do you think that they should have stats uh, that maybe are based upon? Um, I don't know whether or not they can do things like the post game. Like you know, if you're missing twenty percent of your calls, uh, should you? Should there be some kind of penalty for that? Uh, I mean, twenty percent is a huge amount of calls, but. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that there should be. Um, there's actually like a Twitter account called like Umpire Review Scorecards or something, and they actually like grade the umpires based on their called balls and strikes versus the actual balls and strikes. And one of the really nice things they do is they create an expected zone. So like some old school baseball homerists are on board with this idea that different umps have different zones, right? Like, they say that if an umpire is giving the bottom of the zone to both teams, so maybe you get a, a baseball's length and the bottom of the zone is still a strike outside the zone on the, on the robot, but the ump is still calling it a strike. If he does that for both teams, they say that's okay. I think the real problem comes in, um, and you'll see this sometimes, when there's four pitches thrown in the same spot and two are called for balls and two are called for strikes. 
that's the biggest issue is the consistency. Right. And that would be solved by an automated strike zone. Where... Well, yeah, that that would be the most consistent. I mean, it would it would call a ball a ball and a strike a strike. Period. End of story. Which would I mean? I think that would on one side. I think it'd be better for the consistency of the game that way everyone knows where they're going in. But on the other side, I think it might ruin kind of the pitching. If if I'm completely honest, like, you know, getting that uh, expanding the strike zone, as I believe they call it, seems to be just a huge part of pitching. You know, is that was was that ball just a little bit below the knees because it's knees and letters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think that's kind of the interesting part for me, at least, as a very casual viewer of baseball. Um, but that would completely just remove the aspect of the game. But then again, you know, if if it's not for both teams, you know, then that's just not fair. Uh, I hear a lot about... Um, how umpires like it's probably that scorecard is what you were saying earlier about how umpires can favor one team and just almost subtly but not really give that team the victory (laughs) right uh yeah he puts like the expected runs gained on that scorecard for whichever team so like there was one yesterday i saw that was they won by one run and the expected run gain was 1.82 runs so he, the umpire essentially gave the team that won by one run two runs that's a problem <laughs> yeah yeah um, um and the other thing too is like umpires are, are people so you feel like sometimes i mean you have guys like juan soto who lead the league in walks uh he's widely regarded as a guy for having one of the best eyes in baseball. I sometimes wonder, like, if an umpire sees a borderline pitch that Juan Soto doesn't swing at, is he going to say, that's Juan Soto. He knows the strike zone. He didn't swing at it. That's probably a ball. I'm going to call it a ball, even though I'm not 100% sure. Like, you feel like some of that probably goes on too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Do you think that uh, call correction happens in... uh... In baseball, like you know, oh, I made a bad strike uh, call. I, I better. Yeah, With, without a back. doubt, without a doubt, I think it does. And now, do you think um, it's it's they call a ball a strike a ball or something or vice versa, or do you think it's kind of just like they give the other team an equally bad strike call? I think it, it's it more comes on the borderline pitches. Um, so if there's a pitch that's really close. I think, you know, they'll call it a strike, and then the next one that's really close, if they weren't sure, maybe they'll lean towards ball on that one. That it, just... It's usually in one at-bat. I, I don't think they would hold that from at-bat to at-bat. So you think they're favoring the batter in that case, not the pitcher? No, I, I just think if a batter gets a strike and the ump is like, shoot, that might have actually been a ball in retrospect... Um, he would give that batter the next close pitch would be a ball. But I think if, if, say, he called the strike 
and struck him out and then was like, shoot, that probably should have been a ball. I don't think he's going to give that ball to the next hitter because it's a different person. Okay. Um, since the last time we've talked, uh, I think, you know, pitching in the MLB has uh, really taken a change uh, with The spider tack ban or sticky stuff ban. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how that's going to uh, change change the pitching. I completely went off on a tangent there about pitching because my internet went out, and that's fun. So I'm just kind of giving it a minute here and seeing what happens as my internet goes out. I'm going to pause this. And we're back after some technical difficulties. Um, we were talking about umping, but I believe after our technical difficulties, we're going to kind of move on from that into something that's also kind of interesting to me. Um, fan interferences during a game. I realize we don't have those in the PBE, uh, although that would kind of be interesting. I don't, but I don't know how they would <laughs> how they would do that. Um, let's let's talk here. Uh, what what exactly is a fan interference? So fan interferences. I mean, at any time that a fan does anything to affect a ball that's been put in play um, which can mean a number of things you see it a lot uh, there's kind of like two more common ways it happens number one um, so if a ball's hit on the ground it's fair I, I don't know how much you know about fair foul lines so I guess I'll start by saying if a ball's put on the ground and goes foul and stays and ends foul um, before crossing first base it's a foul ball but if a ball's hit and touches the ground and then goes past first base and is still fair and then crosses the foul line after it's past first base it's still a fair ball once it's past first base and touched the ground in fair territory um, it, it's a fair ball so a common way is you have seats kind of along the foul lines so a ball will be hit fair it'll go past first base and then a fan will pick it up in foul territory when it you know bangs up against the wall not not realizing that it's a fair ball maybe thinking that that was foul and that they're just getting a souvenir um that's one instance of fan interference the the fielders are supposed to get that ball and put keep it in play and then the other way is like with home runs or deep fly balls uh, if a fan like leans out over the edge of their seats across the wall and you know makes a catch on a ball that would have landed in the field of play, that's fan interference. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of the the foul line, though, I've seen a lot of uh, bunts. I guess where 
I guess the catcher will watch the ball to see if it comes back into play or something like that. Like if they bunt it and it hits and then goes out of field. I've here here's a picture in my mind. Batter bunts, catcher is watching the ball as it approaches the line to see if something happens. What exactly is happening? Yeah, so like I said um, when I was trying to explain it, if you hit a ball um, before first base, what determines if it's fair or foul is when the ball comes to rest or when it is touched by a player. So a ball can go foul and then hit like a little chunk of dirt and come back fair and then stop. If it stops fair, it's fair. Likewise, a ball can be hit fair. Maybe it rolls off the lip of the grass and it stops moving on the left side of the foul line. If we're talking about the third baseline, so it's just foul, then it's foul. Or a ball could be hit towards third base and it could be going foul. Um, and a player could pick it up. As soon as he touches the ball, and it's in fair territory, it's a fair ball. So if he thinks he can make the throw to first base to get the runner out, he'll pick it up. If he doesn't think he can make the throw, he'll watch it to see if it goes foul, because then if it goes foul, it's a strike. The runner doesn't get to first base. That's what they're watching for. Okay. Um... And I guess another thing you'll see them do sometimes, too, is if a ball goes foul and they think that the runner will reach first base, they'll actually touch the ball and swipe it, um, you know, towards further foul. So it stays foul. Because if they touch it foul, it's foul. So they just grab it and throw it away once it's foul. Okay. Um... And actually there was a John Boy breakdown this week of a Marlins player who did that, and the ball was ruled fair. He did it too soon when the ball was still on the line, so he threw it into the stands basically, or into the camera well. Uh, but the ump ruled it was a fair ball. So when a ball leaves the field of play, the runner is advanced, is awarded the base he is headed to, plus one base. So because it was ruled a fair ball, when he touched it and threw it off the field, he got to go all the way to second base for free, essentially. Hmm. Now... What exactly are the rules about the line itself? Like, is it, is it, if it's touching the line, it's fair. If it's over the line, is it have to be majority on the line? If the ball is touching the line, it should be ruled a fair ball. Okay. Of course, you know, umps aren't, aren't perfect and, and there's no sensors on the line. It is just umps watching. Um, but if the ball touches the line, it should be ruled fair. Okay. So when they're they're waiting, they're that the edge of the line is really what they're uh, they're yeah. eyeballing there. And the, the the I mean the most common thing you'll see is occasionally a ball will hit first or third base, and then it doesn't matter where it goes. If it hits first or third base, it's a fair ball. So you'll see the ball like hit the corner of third base and fly off into foul territory. It's a fair ball because it touched first ba or third base in this case. Okay, um, moving back to fan interference, though. Uh, I so, so the basic line is you can't reach over the wall, right? Just, yeah. Just flat out, you can't reach over the wall. 
Um, it's the only time it's okay is if the ball is batted foul on the ground. You, you can pick it up off the dirt right over the wall. You'll see that happen sometimes. Isn't that kind of the the bat boy or girl? Uh, isn't that kind of their job just to get those balls? And it, it is, but it's it's not frowned upon if you're sitting <laughs> by the bat girl and you can reach down and pick one up that was foul. That's not frowned upon. That's okay. Okay. But it is a. Uh, I don't. I don't want to necessarily say a dangerous game, but if you, if you're you, you not, you better make sure it's foul. Yeah. yeah if you're not one hundred percent sure, you should probably not touch that fucking ball, right? And he, here's uh, a key point of difference too. There was actually a fan this season who who did that, picked up a fair ball, um, in that area, and he was like an eight year old kid. Obviously. They didn't punish that eight-year-old kid. He didn't know better. Uh, it, it it is what it is. But if you're, you know, our age, we're talking like thirties, and you pick up a fair ball, you might get in a little trouble. What what kind of trouble are we talking about? Are we talking ejection? Are we talking game bans? Um... I think you would just get. I mean, it really depends on how egregious it is. The, the range that they can give you, I mean, is anything from a warning to an, a single game ejection to that they can ban you from life from their stadium. And the MLB can actually ban you for life from every stadium. Yeah, and I heard I, recently about a uh, a fan who threw a home run ball back and hit. And a... hit. Uh, yeah, he hit um, Alex Verdugo, a Boston Red Sox. And he was banned from all 30 parks. Um, and you might think, like, do they check IDs at the gate? I mean, is there a list they check you against? No. Um, but if you are found on the premises of another Major League Diamond and say you do something again, so that security comes and gets you and they find out you were banned for life, you're trespassing. And, and they can file, you know, legal uh, a legal suit against you for trespassing. Um, they, they can now charge you if he say threw a ball at a player again they could charge him for assault so that's kind of what comes with the banned territory uh, you, you're, you're trespassing you're not allowed to be there and, and now they can pursue legal action against you if you show up again yeah I I watched the breakdown on that, that guy uh, I mean really look like a kid <laughs> And uh, old enough to know better, though. Old enough to know, but I don't think he tried to hit the player. I think no, he was just throwing so it back. Either. But oh man, he was not feeling good about that. Um, which is really how you should feel. It was. I I feel like it was an accident, uh, but can't be doing that shit. Yeah. Um, does that kind of that thing though, like? They were egging him on, apparently, to uh, throw the ball back on the field. Uh, is that a is that a baseball tradition or? Yeah, if the opposing team hits a home run, um, it's it's not uncommon for, if a home team fan catches it for them to throw it back. So there's just enough home runs that people aren't like, oh my god, I caught a home run ball. I'm going to keep this forever. I mean, it, it depends. Or is it know? just rabid fandom, and they're like, fuck this home run ball. 
<laughs> it depends. I mean, especially where you are. I believe that was a Red Sox Yankees game, and Yankees fans are are hardcore. I I like to believe that if that had happened at Nats Park, uh, and a fan had caught a Red Sox ball, or I guess in this case a Yankee home run, probably what would have happened is the Nats fan would have looked for a small child wearing Yankees gear and given the ball to the small child in Yankees gear. That's kind of the other tradition is you either throw it back or you, you know, find a fan of the team and you say, you know, have this home run ball. Mm. Okay. Um, but that would probably, I don't know. It seems like something that happened. Uh, yeah. I just, just seeing the, the clip of the guy like that's, I felt bad for him. Obviously what he did yeah. was stupid, but you, fe- you feel bad for him. <laughs> You do. The the life ban maybe is a bit much. Maybe they can revisit that uh, in, a, in a year. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a season ban would have been fine, but... Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, they're worried about players. You have players out on the field who are worth $40 million a year, right? And, like, if that ball hits that guy in the head and he never plays baseball... What about potentially ruining a 200 million dollar investment so you can kind of see why they take a pretty hard line with anything that endangers the player's safety well yeah yeah no no and anything for the player safety i get it uh i just it just seemed in that that particular instance that there was intent would have mattered uh yeah uh a hard line yes lifetime ban i yeah i don't know um so it's it's not just automatic ejection from the game at the very least every time someone interferes. No, I mean there, there's you can find videos of kids picking up balls that are fair um, that they lean over and pick up, and I don't I don't think anyone's ever gonna, especially if you're like a kid, man. They're they're not gonna. The, the umps will make a determination on what they think would have happened, and that's what will happen. And everyone will say, oh, the kid should should know better. Hopefully dad teaches them for next time, and, and they move on. Okay. Um, all right, well, we'll move on from that to my next point in my list of baseball questions that I have randomly come up with throughout probably the month, I think, now. Um is the fourth hitter the cleanup hitter? If not, who is? What is a cleanup hitter? That's, I guess, would be the, the overall question. of so, so, yes, the fourth hitter is considered the cleanup hitter. Um, and, and the reverse of that is the, the first hitter and really the second hitter, too, are considered the, the table setters. Um, so you're putting your best players in the top four. So that he's the cleanup hitter because you assume that that he's going to get to bat in the first inning with a runner on base and and he's the guy who you think is going to be the guy to move that runner all the way across home plate to score a run um so usually your best hitter will hit first or second but your your guy who hits the most doubles home runs will hit fourth because you want him to be able to bat with somebody else on base so that that home run isn't a solo shot or that double isn't with the bases empty so he's getting on second with you know two outs and nobody on 
if that makes sense. Yeah, so so ideally you want your power at at mm-hmm. fourth, but you really want your maybe I don't know, technical ability, your I'm going to get on base as much as possible, you know, try at least get a base uh in your first two spots. And then what would yeah. what would your third batter be? Just another power somewhere between yeah, you're like best all-around hitter. You know, a guy who who gets on base a lot, um, but also hits a lot of extra base hits. Your your first hitter um, should be a guy who has long at bats. You know, somebody who fouls off a lot of pitches so that it, the guys in the dugouts can kind of watch the opposing pitcher and see what he's got. Okay. Um, he should usually be a quicker guy who's maybe a base running threat. And just a guy who hits a lot of singles and takes a lot of walks. Okay. Um, what is our our Bears lineup looking like? Do we have have people that accurately or fit that? Because I think I'm bitten, batting like sixth right now, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, you're higher than that. Am I? We actually just posted our day one lineup. Um, so W.R. Wolf, our shortstop, is going to be batting leadoff, and he is that. He is a, a base-stealing threat. He's a quick guy. He gets on base a lot. Um, we have underrated batting second. He is a bit more of a power threat than your typical second baseman, um, but we really wanted to maximize his at-bats as, as much as we could. Stevie Steve is batting third. That's you. Yes, yes, I am. I am Steve. Steve. <laughs> You're kind of a pretty balanced hitter, um, but with a, I guess a bit more power than some other guys might have. And then things kind of break off there because we have mostly new guys below you three. Three are returning players. Um, below you, everyone is a new player except Giannis Lux. Um, so the lineup gets kind of different because some of them spent more versus right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. Okay. And do you do you get to change um, your lineup every game, every week, or is every week every game? I'm, my extra album works. We can change the lineup between sims. Um, so not, not game to game, except in the postseason. The postseason we have total control um, game to game. But in the regular season, we can switch it up sim to sim. So, you know, Tuesday night, our lineup is our lineup. But if we want to change things for Wednesday, we can change them. We just have to submit our changes by midnight the night before. Okay. Um, and do you often do that? Like, I think the PBE has injuries turned off, right? So from one game to another pretty consistent right yeah we, we don't change it too much in the same um, week i guess no i mean it really depends on who's earning in the minor leagues especially it changes more in the minors than the majors but you know if say our number five hitter stops earning but our number seven hitter is earning every week you know that that number seven hitter is going to move up and that number <clears> five hitter is going to move down right right so little adjustments but yeah no no, no huge changes uh okay 
I'm going to move on to a topic that is very dear to my heart uh, as a hockey you know fan I like the fights and baseball benching clearing it seems like it's just showboating and almost nothing ever happens like it's just people yelling at each other and seems like a waste of everyone's time I I believe when I wrote this question down I hadn't seen an actual fight during it I had have since then where I saw some punches thrown <clears throat> but I don't know what what happens when the bench is clear uh, is there penalties or anything like that people get thrown out uh, obviously but is there anything beyond some people maybe getting thrown out I mean, yeah, so it's it's definitely a situation-by-situation situation bias, uh, or, I mean, um, situation-by-situation situation kind of thing. Uh, it, not, not even every time will somebody be thrown out. Sometimes really, truly nothing will happen. It's gotten kind of different since COVID. Um, because of COVID, they've really started suspending players who initiate benches clearing. Um, they'll, they'll usually give them like a three or four game suspension is the biggest thing uh, but usually it, it happens following a hit by pitch right right um, so the most common result is the umpires will issue warnings and basically what a warning means is that anytime you come anywhere near hitting somebody we're just gonna eject you immediately with no warning like the, like this is your warning that we will eject you if you hit a player from here on out um which affects pitchers i mean quite a bit you know pitching inside is important to be able to do as a pitcher i mean it, it can brush guys off the plate you want guys to be worried right like if you can throw a pitch that looks like it's going to hit them and then it bends into the strike zone that's like the most effective pitch in baseball because they're going to step out of the way like oh my god that's coming for my head and then if you have enough movement that that bends back into the strike zone you want to be able to throw that pitch but you know inevitably if that's something you do sometimes you're going to lose your feel for that pitch and you'll throw it and it won't bend back in you'll hit them so you know if, if warnings have been issued you can't throw that pitch anymore really or if you do you better make damn sure you do it right which kind of leads into the uh, the argument of the the sticky substances, sticky stuff. I think they're just calling it where uh, it gives a higher spin rate, which allows people to do that, uh, curving the ball, you know, from a hit to or from where it looks like it's going to hit them to actually in somewhere in the strike zone. Uh, <laughs> If I'm remembering that correctly, but I've I read uh, about a baseball player uh, who was this is moving on by the way I should say that mm -hmm. who was traded in the middle of the game got into a fight after he was traded because he wasn't pulled or something. 
Uh, so he, he ended up getting a like 11 game suspension or something at his new team because he was traded. Uh, what's why wasn't he pulled uh, from the game? Like what if he's no longer playing for the team? Uh, what's what's the normal protocol for when a player gets traded? Do they often get traded in the middle of the game? That that seems counterproductive at the very least. <clears throat> yeah, it's pr pretty rare in the middle of a game. Um, t typically, if you find out you're traded, you will be pulled from the lineup, and, and usually if you're traded, the, the team picking him up will tell you, like as a stipulation of the trade, I guess he's not on your roster anymore, don't play him, because they're worried about injuries. So I would say that's a very rare situation where in the middle of a game a player's traded, and also that he's going to continue playing the game. I mean, so rosters are finalized once the game starts so if both teams have started a game and a trade is made technically they can't make the roster move to actually move him from one roster to the other so that player would technically be on their original team and the trade doesn't actually happen until the conclusion of both games so sure he's allowed to be played um but I think it's piss poor managing to tell a player, hey, you're traded. Um, get out there and, and take some grounders at third base. You're playing tonight. Like, <laughs> that's just not a good idea. <clears throat> uh, this was Yaziel Pug. P-U-I-G. Yeah, apparently he was week traded mid-game and he thinks that that's part of why he is uh been blackballed from the mlb uh it looks like this was 2019 yeah he's apparently playing a contract in mexico right now because the mlb doesn't want him anymore for whatever reason yeah which I suppose just happens. Um, some players are rough to play with. But yeah, uh, so, I mean, that just is that just a really rare occurrence that of trade is announced mid-game. Do you think that was maybe something... I, I like, you don't... As far as I know, the guy doesn't even know that he's been traded when all this is going on but uh right they don't typically they usually know that there's talks <sighs> right but but that can mean anything yeah do uh inter-team trades happen in uh pbe and the minors in the minors it's very rare um for active players to be traded i can only think of of one situation where an active player was traded and that was Ruth Heater Ginsburg um, coming from the Dynamos to the Bears and, and that's obviously a very special circumstance I'm sure any listeners know Ruth Heater Ginsburg is, is my girlfriend she lives with me we've been together for years um, I didn't have a team when she created so she got picked up by the Dynamos uh, and then I got approved for my expansion team the next season so I uh, she, she she did a lot of work for the Bears I mean she came up with our uniforms she she came up with our color scheme helped a lot with the graphic design 
Um, so she was straightforward with LBG at the time and said, like, I, I want to be a bear. Um, and, and fortunately, we were able to work out in a, a, a trade, and, and Ruth Hader Ginsburg came over. But it's extremely rare for minor league active players to be traded just because I guess the, the best part of the PBE for most players is the community and the friendships you make, and it's just not good for a player's development when they're new to the game to, to get traded like that. So it, it doesn't happen too often in the minors. In the majors, it's way more common. Yeah. More. But e even in the majors, it doesn't really happen without talking to the player and making sure it's okay with them. Well, yeah, that was... I had, you know, when I was uh, in discussions with uh, teams about getting drafted, now I... Uh, I didn't want to go to the majors. <laughs> I just at all and uh that seemed more well accepted than what i was kind of expecting uh i was i was honestly going into expecting you know well you kind of have to that's just the way it works uh, and uh i think i was drafted but didn't sign with seattle uh yep because yeah i just i I want to play with the Bears, uh, and that's that's just where I'm at with the. Uh, that all right? I'm gonna mark that out. Strike through. Sounds good. We are at forty-nine oh six. Alrighty. Here's here's a big one for me. I heard, and I'm not sure if this is true, that you can't challenge balls and strikes calls. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yep, you cannot challenge ball and strike calls. Um, I guess the driving rationale is that games would take forever um, because it's super easy to tell on video if it's a ball or a strike, and it's a lot harder in person. Um, so you would end up with, God, 50 challenges a game over balls and strikes, and they'd all be correct for the most part. But, I mean, it would, like, the game already takes four, four hours sometimes. We'd be looking at six-hour games for nine innings. And I guess I would lead back into automated uh, umping of some sort. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that umpires should be removed from the game. It just seems like something so important being left up to, I don't know, for the most part, some uh, one guy <laughs> seems kind of ludicrous, antiquated even, but, I mean, I guess antiquated is the name of baseball. Yeah, I mean, this is going to lead us back into kind of the same things you were saying in the first question. But like I said, it should, it should truly be an accountability thing. I think umpires should move up and down between the major league and the minor league. I think they should be reviewed. And like you said, you know, they should say, okay, you missed 80% of calls. So we're going to send you down. You can umpire AAA. And this umpire in AAA who made 98% of his calls correctly, he's going to come up and be a big league ump. Um, and it, instead, it's really, it's really done off seniority. That's how they do it. 
the older umps and, and we all know right as you get older your eyes get better right like that's a thing <laughs> yeah uh, no um it, it, and that's that's how it's done unfortunately and a big part of that is the unions and, and you know, hopefully smarter people than me are working on a way to to bring that accountability into the fold okay with with the unions though i mean what's what's stopping it up from even blatantly just giving the game to one team like you know truly nothing i mean truly all right uh we're just gonna move on from that because that's just i I don't insanity yeah Yeah. uh okay uh what happens uh we're supposed to start with the mlb here what happens if a player's injured uh is he just pulled from the lineup does someone replace him uh what what's the procedure say i don't know let's just throw back that guy threw a ball in the field and it actually hurt the player uh what what happens from the baseball standpoint ignoring the fan uh yep so an ump will call time um and once time is called you know basically everyone can move freely uh, nobody could be like picked out or thrown off or no, no balls or strikes could be thrown. They'll call time and the game is essentially paused. Uh, medical staff will go out. Uh, there's a trainer for each team. Um, the trainer will go out and the, the trainer is like a, you know, somebody who majored in sports medicine is like a licensed physician. Uh, they'll talk to the player and they'll make an assessment. The, the player will say, you know, I think I'm good or I, I don't think I'm good. And then, I mean, if the player says they don't think they're good, they'll come out. If the player says, I think I'm good, the physician will say, well, let's see. Uh, he'll he'll do whatever tests he deems is necessary. And if he's not good, um, the physician will say, I think you should take the manager. I think you should take him out. And the manager will take him out. And he will be replaced. Uh, there's a 26-man roster. It's usually like, what, eight bullpen arms, five starting pitchers. And then uh, the other... 13 are position players so every team has what's called the like the fourth outfielder um who's usually like the platoon bat or a bench bat and and he'll just come on and take over okay um i guess uh, i can i can continue a little here there was like a situation with say kyle schwarber uh where he tore his hamstring on his way to first base so that's an injury that happened during play um and, and when that happens, play is not paused. Play continues until the ball is fielded and the runners are stationary. So he literally hopped on one leg to first base and then sat down on a first base. And then play was stopped. And then the trainer came out and then he was removed and a pinch runner came in to take over for him and then stayed out to field for him. And I imagine usually an injury is pretty devastating for the team in general uh, during a match or a game, not a match. Um, yeah, not, not all injuries are created equal. I mean, in, in 2019, Trey Turner broke his finger trying to bunt and missed three months. Uh, and that's what led the Nationals to go 19-31. and 31. And it, it's no coincidence that Trey Turner 
once his finger healed, he came back, and the Nats made a postseason run. Um, but it, it is devastating. I mean, your 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 fourth outfielder is the fourth outfielder for a reason, right? There's a reason he sits on the bench and doesn't start every day. It's because he's not as good. So outfield generally easier than infield? Yes, um, center field being the exception. Okay. Um, would would your your fourth outfielder always be an outfielder? Say Trey Turner played what first base, right? Shortstop. Shortstop. Would an outfielder come in to play shortstop? Do you do they have a shortstop that is good? Like, is it just one man fills all or ten people? Truly a player by player basis. Um, there are some players like Josh Harrison or Brock Holt are good examples who can play literally anywhere. The, uh, Brock Holt, for example, has logged games in every single position except catcher. He's he's even pitched. Uh, he actually today recorded the slowest ever pitch tracked by Statcast, a 31 mile an hour ball he threw in for a strike. <laughs> um, they call that an EFIS pitch. I mean, he literally lobbed it like straight up in the air, and it, it came down through the strike zone. Hmm. Uh, it was a called strike. The batter didn't swing. So is that is that a replacement player? Like it's I the the thing I don't understand is you say there's a twenty eight man roster. Twenty six. Twenty six. Uh, what? Trey Turner gets injured. Shortstop is now a vacant position. You have does does one of those twenty six people are they set up for it? Uh, what that's that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, yeah, do... I mean, yeah, and it's it's really one of two things. If you have a player on the bench who's good at shortstop, you'll put him in at shortstop. If you don't, typically maybe your second baseman is a good shortstop. So you'll say, okay, our second baseman is going to play short. Our bench guy is going to play second. Okay, is it would it be unusual for you to pull in an outfielder to play that second baseman or whatever position? It's it's less common. T- typically, guys either play the outfield or the infield, but there are definitely players who do both. Um, and I guess to go back to answer an, an unasked question, you, you said the outfield is harder. To kind of explain that, I mean, if you think about it, you know, the infielders are standing 90 feet away from the batter. So obviously, if a ball is hit at 100 miles an hour, the guy who's standing 90 feet away from it has way less time to react, field the ball, and make the play than the guy who's standing 300 feet away from him in the outfield, right? Right. Yeah, okay. Um, but the outfield has a lot more room that yes. they got to cover. So the hardest so. thing the outfielder is really doing is judging where the ball is going to go and running there. Um, for, for any major league player, once you're underneath the ball, catching it should not be a challenge. Yeah, I watched something the other day about a center fielder, uh, and you said center field's the exception to it being easier, but this center fielder ran from his position over to left field to catch a ball in front of the left fielder and then threw the ball home. 
uh, and everyone was was very upset with this man. Uh, is that just a disrespect thing, or exactly that? Yeah, I mean the the right field. I mean, it was, I guess left field had an easier route to it, an easier catch to make. Um, but the the general rule of thumb is the center fielder is in charge. Um, so if you're under a ball and you can catch it, you're supposed to say, I got it. I got it, I got it, I got it. You're supposed to yell again and again, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Um, but if you're in right field and you're saying, I got it, I got it, and the center fielder is saying, I got it, I got it, as the right fielder, you are supposed to say, okay, he's got it, I'm going to go away. And the center fielder should make that catch every time. It was a disrespect thing. The distance he covered to make that catch, it was unnecessary, and it was disrespectful. <laughs> Um, it, it was a hell of a run, and he fucked up the pitch or the throw back in, not the pitch. Uh, yeah, yeah, which just made everything worse. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I I do remember watching that video. But yeah, that was so. So you just yield to the center fielder, uh, and you would yield even if he's fucking at the foul line like it's there's yep okay yep he's in, he's in charge you should be yielding to him um and, and i mean you put your best outfielder in center field so that's why you're yielding to him because the manager has said you're the best one you're going to play center because in center you have the most ground to cover and here's the other thing right like if your right fielder goes out and dives to try and make a play and doesn't make the play it's the center fielder's job to be behind him and make the play if he doesn't. So your your center fielder is covering the most ground. He's backing up every single outfield play. He's on the move every play. Like if the balls hit to right field and you're in left field, man, you can take a fucking nap, right? Yeah. Like you're you're not involved. Period. There, if you get involved, it doesn't matter because by the time you could get to the ball and throw it, the runner would already have ran all the way around the diamond. Like the runner would hit an inside the park home run at that point. Um, which I guess leads back to the injury question. Like, what happens if there is, like, the ball's live and, I don't know, the center fielder and right fielder run into each other. <laughs> Just knock each other out. Just some, some wacky stuff or something like that. That I'm sure has happened at some point because baseball is such mm -hmm. an old game. Mm -hmm. Uh the ball is still just live until someone gets over there and gets it or all the, or the runner scores. You know, if you hit the, the ball and the center fielder and right fielder collide and you run to first to second to third and home, the ball's not live anymore just because there's nobody on base anymore. Okay. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. You can't really punish the person for something completely out of their control. Um, yep. And it has happened. I mean, people have collided and knocked each other out, and the, you know, the, the either one of two things will happen. If it happened in right field, either the left fielder or the second baseman would run all the fuck the way out there to get it. <laughs> um, so most runners would have scored by then, but there's some slow runners, and, and maybe they get it into third, at, at which point play would stop with the runner on third and the ball at third. And then the, you know, the trainer would go out. Okay, um, which kind of bring, brings back to what you said earlier. And in uh, infield home run, 
that's just where the outfielders fuck up. Uh, is that like always an error? An inside the park home run? Yes. No, it's not always an error. Um, that there have been cases where a player has hit it well enough that it usually it involves a weird bounce. Like the right fielder will go after it and it'll bounce off the wall past the right fielder out of his reach, and it'll be a fast runner like Trey Turner. It's it's not always an error. It's usually not an error. If it is an error, it's not technically an inside the park home run. It's a double and an error that let them score. Oh, okay. So anytime it's ruled an inside the park home run, it's not an error. Um, and, and there is an expression that you have to commit murder in the outfield to be given an error. <laughs> Outfielders are very rarely given errors. The only time an outfielder will get an error is essentially if the ball like, should have been in their glove and it wasn't. Like, very clearly should have been in their glove and it just was missed. And like they just, just didn't catch it. it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I guess that leads into... Uh, does that happen in the PBE? Do inside the field mm -hmm. home runs happen? Uh, they do. Okay. Because I know we have injuries turned off, right? Yeah. They, they kind of, I think, most of the time get missed. Um, unless it happens in a live-streamed game. Like, it's just recorded as a home run. There's no real note that it was an inside-the-park home run. Mm. So you'd have to, like, go into the game data to find out. Um, so I, I think they happen and they're mostly missed. I, I'm sure it's happened on a live-stream at some point. But, I mean, I guess no matter what, a run's a run's a run, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter how you got there, as long as you get there. Yep. You get there on an air, you get there on a single, you get there on a home run, inside the park home run, all scores the same way. Um, okay, so my last question, this is just kind of off the hat. Uh, what What is a good batter? What What makes a good batter? What's a good batting average? Uh, and what exactly is a batting average? The batting average, I'll start there, is... I mean, kind of what, what you would think of a batting average. It, it is the number of times you have hit a single or better divided by the number of times you have come to bat. With the exception being anytime you take a walk, it doesn't count either way. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't help you. It's just a walk. Or anytime you're hit by a pitch. Um, so if you hit three singles in ten at-bats and the other seven times you got out, you're batting 300, right? Because 3 divided by 10 is 300. Or 3.3. Okay. A good batting average is something in the, the 250s. Um, right, right around there, I think, is a good batting average. But there is some caveats. There's something called slugging percentage which actually takes the number of bases you got divided by the number of at-bats you got. So the thing about batting average is a single, a triple, a double, and a home run are all valued the same. And, and obviously a home run is not the same as a single, right? Right, right, yeah. So slugging tries to take that into account by saying, okay, a single is one, a double is two, a triple is three, and a home run is four, um, which isn't perfect either, because obviously 
like I think four singles is better than one home run. Um, but that's what it tries to do. So, so in addition to having a 250 batting average, you want to have a slugging up above 350, which just means you're getting a, a good number of extra base hits. So is a 300 a good batting average? You know, normal, expected? 300 is great. If you're hitting 300, you're having an all-star season. Um, you might, if you're having, after the end of the season, if you're over 300, you might even be in the MVP conversation. 300 is really, really good. Okay. Um... Um, 400 is almost unheard of. It, it used to happen a long time ago when the same baseball was used for the whole game and the cover would come off it and there would be rocks in the infield for balls to hit and bounce funny off of. Um, and, and also, like, if you go back to the game's history, once upon a time, they would say that if you threw a pitch with movement, you were being dishonest and cheating because you were trying to throw a pitch they couldn't hit. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go back far enough, you, you'll see higher batting averages because the conditions were just so different. So is 300 being an amazing batting average now, was that, like... So when I, I guess, first was listening to anything baseball was like in, I guess, the golden age of steroids where uh, I think Barry Bonds was the one who was just smashing everything that was at him. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of, well, I guess I can Google that. Uh, Barry Bonds' career batting average was 298. So just a tick under 300. And he was known for just smashing everything, and he was still below 300. Yeah, he's the home run uh, career record at 762 home runs in his career. Okay. He hit 73 home runs in a season, um, which I believe is the record. And I'm not sure if the, the steroids thing is true. Did he have a steroids? Yes, 100%. Uh, okay. Like a 1,000% yes, he had <laughs> steroids. Okay. A lot of players back then. I mean, Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa. Um, and that seems like the, it was a golden age for hitters, uh, whereas recently it's been more of a pitching duel. Yeah, I mean, Cal Ripken Jr. is kind of heralded as a hitter from that time period um, because he didn't use steroids. He never tested positive. Um, and his career batting average was 276. He hit, you know, 300 less home runs than Sammy Sosa over his career. Um, Cal Ripken was an awesome dude, though. He holds the career record for consecutive games played. He played like 2,000 games without missing a single one. Like, I mean, every season he played 162 games, which is insane. I mean, if you go down this line, 162, 162, 161, 162, 162, 161, 62, 61, 62, 62, 62. He had a, what is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 year streak, where for 11 years he played every single baseball game the Orioles played. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, 
I mean, absolutely insane. They, they say that's one of the records that they truly believe no one will ever break. Um, just because the level that the base, the level baseball is played at these days is truly like the human body can't sustain it right for 11 years anymore you will get injured whether it's a hamstring an elbow inflammation you will get injured playing baseball these days just because of the level it's played at okay um well i think that is a good place to wrap it up um do you have any any thoughts that you'd like to say about our upcoming season uh as a a closing statement in the bears uh are you excited do you think it's going to be a just our best season yet or do you think we're really going to be hurt uh, i'm excited i think we got hurt more by call-ups than we thought we would but our projections still put us fifth in the league um which puts us at you know basically that the league average but six teams make the playoffs, um, so so we're okay with fifth. Really, once the playoffs start, it's kind of a crapshoot of who advances. Um, so we're just happy to be on pace to make the playoffs. We're really excited about the players we've brought in. They all seem to be doing their updates. They've all been chatting in the Discord. Um, so, so we have a lot of hope for the season. I think it could turn out to be the best one yet, and I think we have pretty good odds to you know make the playoffs and maybe go a little farther than the Bears have ever gone before after being eliminated in the first round last season. Maybe we'll make it to the second. Maybe play in the World Series. Maybe win the World Series. Who knows? Anything can happen in baseball. Maybe their bats are just cold one day and we just sneak on through. Hey, Stevie uh, Steve could win World Series MVP. Hey, anything can happen. But I'm Stevie Steve. And I'm Danny B. And this has been Between Two White Lines. It's not a cocaine thing, I swear. Thanks for listening. If you are not yet a member of PBE and would like to learn more, visit us online at www.probaseballexperience.jcink.net.